Amen. God's people said? Amen. Amen. Man, praise the Lord. What an incredible time of worship, man. So thankful for Will and the band uh, for, for leading us into the throne room every single week. Thank you for being here. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we are super excited and thankful for you joining with us and worshiping with us today. And so uh, there is so much going on in, in our church. We've got a lot of things that are happening that we're excited about. I'll tell you, uh, we have had to do some intentional recruitment uh, this past week with some of our normal 1030 crowd. We invited them, asked them to, to go to our nine o'clock service uh, because we were packed to the gills last week. Uh, we, were, we were eight Heinies short of not having seats for everybody in here, according to our numbers. So very excited, but uh, also trying to adjust. And so we are working on have, getting full childcare in that nine o'clock service. Uh, and so that'll be a viable option for us. And we're going to have a relaunch in August. But man, just some great momentum. But we're we're praying toward the future as well. I want you to understand that. I want you to know that from. Your pastor, our staff, we are thinking about the future uh, because we, we see God continuing to bless and we're going to continue to be faithful. One area that we're going to be faithful is in the area of missions. We are beginning a series this week. We'll have Mother's Day next week and then we'll be continuing through the month of May in our missions series. The title of our, our series is going to be Sent. Right, sent, that we are sent by God on mission. Wherever we find ourselves, we are sent by God on mission. And that begins where we're at. It begins here where we are planted in the community of Elkmont and the surrounding areas. I don't know where God has, is going to call you in your life, but I do know where God has called you. I know where God is calling you currently, and it's where you live. And so we, as God's people, are always on missions. Missions is not a, a trip that we relegate to one time. I remember in student ministry where I went on a trip, or I went with a group of men or a group of ladies overseas. We are talking about living our lives in light of the grand mission of God. Anything that we talk about today, understand this is missions, little m. It is our strategy to reach the areas that God has given us to reach. And so we have a strategy to do that. But in simply in doing that, we are joining God and his mission. Big M, we are joining him in what he is doing. And so God's called us to Elkmont. And so we are to minister in Elkmont, we're modeling our mission strategy through Acts 1.8. And so we're going to read that together today. Acts 1.8 is, is where we find the premise for everything that we are going to be tracking in our mission strategy. I'm excited about unfolding this to you. We've had an opportunity to serve on mission together, but we have not had the opportunity to outline to you what that is going to look like very, very practically. And so hope we hope to do that and accomplish that through this series. But listen to what Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth, the end of the earth. And so in this passage of scripture, we understand the mandate is to be a witness, right? You don't have to be a pastor to be a minister. We are called to be ministers of the gospel, armed with the gospel. Every one of us, either bivocationally, vocationally, or volunteer, is called to be on mission. And we find it in four areas. The first that we find it is in Jerusalem. And so today we're going to talk about what a Jerusalem ministry looks like for us. Jerusalem, for the in the context that this is written, Acts 1:8. Jerusalem is the immediate context of the people that he was talking to. The disciples and those who were gathered on the Mount of Olives after when Jesus ascended the Mount of Ascension, we see they were gathered there, they were in Jerusalem. And he says, you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jerusalem was where they were at. And so today we will be preaching, we'll be talking about where we are at and what local missions looks like for our church in a way that you can practically get involved. That's ultimately what we desire to see happen. It's for you to get involved and you to plug in in ministry. But here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the uttermost parts of the earth. This is not an either or thing. The mandate of God, the mission of God has always been and will continue to be global. It's global. God hasn't called you just to Jerusalem. I had a dad one time in student ministry. I was taking our students to Ecuador and he wouldn't allow his his child to go and said, I just don't understand why you get on a plane and go to Ecuador. You're passing, you're flying over a lot of lost people to get to Ecuador. In my flesh, I wanted to slap him. I wanted to say, that's great, and you're exactly right. What are you doing to reach those between here and there? That's what I wanted to say. I didn't. I didn't. I used better judgment, and I said, yes, sir, I feel like, but I feel like we're called to this because God has called us all globally. That's along the gist of what I, of what I said, right? Didn't know what I wanted to say, but it's what I said. And that's exactly right. But God has not just called you to the community of Elkmont. As we define in the community for the community, who is your community? Your community is made up of your neighbors. Who's your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor, right? And so our ministry, our mission strategy must include Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the year. Jerusalem is where we're at. This is the local missions. This is, this is what... A lot of our mission strategy has been predicated on so far. We have precedent for that, by the way, that we'll talk about in just a minute. But it says, and Judea. This is the greater region of where they're at. Here's your community, but you're also called to a larger demographic, a larger geographical area of people who are like you. The people in Judea would have been Jews primarily. primarily. And so you're called to people like you. You're called to people in your greater area. For us, that'll look like a partnership in the state of Alabama, that we will be regionally partnered in missions with a work that's happening in the state of Alabama. Then he says... And Samaria. Now, as also broadening the geographical scope, Jamer- Samaria, not Jamaria, Samaria was to the north, 
right? That it would, it would broaden that scope. But for a Jew to hear, you are called to Samaria. Now, there may be regions in Judea that's like, hey, I kind of want to go there. Let me tell you what nobody was saying about Samaria. Man, I'd love to get over there sometime. Why? Because Samaria was full of Samaritans. And Samaritans weren't just, uh, they, they weren't just people that we didn't like. They were the enemy, right? They were the people that had poisoned the lineage of Christ, right? Of the lineage of the Messiah. And so they were, they were the enemy. And so God was saying, you'll go to Jerusalem, you'll go to the people like you, and then you're going to be sent to people not like you. You're going to be sent places that you don't want to go. You don't want to go, y'all, if y'all had heard me a decade ago, 15 years ago, talking about church planning. If you'd have just heard me, all right? It was not on my radar, to say the least. But God called me to this. And so Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. God hasn't called us to either or of those. He's called us to all of them simultaneously. We are called. Now, the calling looks different from place to place, but we are all called to the mission of God globally. We are joining his activity in Elkmont. We're joining his activity in the state of Alabama. We're joining his activity in the country. We're joining his activity across the oceans. We are joining in God's activity, right? Because those But those places, the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. And so today we're going to look at, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. We're going to be pulling from Acts 1 to Acts 8. Do you know what is distinctive about Acts 1 to Acts 8 in the book of Acts? You know what makes it different? Acts 1 through 8 happens solely in Jerusalem. Jesus says you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And for eight chapters, everything that happens, happens in the greater area that is Jerusalem. And so we see Jerusalem ministry. We see hometown ministry. What did hometown ministry look like to a New Testament church? Number one, the church witnessed The church witnessed. Now, there are tons of examples of how the church boldly proclaimed the word of God and the message of the gospel. I could have preached Acts 2, 14 through 40, where Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. I could have preached Acts 3, 11 through 26, where Peter preaches in Solomon's portico in the temple. I could have preached Acts 4, where Peter preaches to the council. I could have preached later in Acts 4, when the believers spoke the word of God with all boldness. I could have preached Acts 5. 19 through 21, where the apostles go and preach in the temple. I could have preached Acts 5, 29 through 32, where they preach to the council again. And I could have preached Acts 7, where Stephen preaches before the Sanhedrin. I could have preached all of those passages, but I think it's tied in a nice, neat little bow in Acts 5, verse 42. Listen to what it says. And every day in the temple, from house to house... They did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. This sums up the message, the, all of the preaching and the witnessing effort. This sums it up in one passage. Every day in the temple, right, 
in the church where you're supposed to talk about God, but in the daily rhythms of their life, house to house, they never ceased speaking the message of the gospel. We pray that God has plenty in store for Lindsay Lane North. But listen, listen to this in your notes. For growth to be possible here, whether that's depth or breadth, for growth to be possible here, the message must be consistent. We must be consistent in the message that we communicate to people. See, we hear a ton of messages in this day and age without even realizing that we do it. Right, We hear messages all the time telling us like where we should eat. Where's the place that we should eat more chicken? Chick-fil-A, maybe not go to a spelling contest, but to eat more chicken at least, not to go to, to school, then the cows struggle a little bit, but hey, they're, you know, at least they're riding chicken out, right? But we know we eat more chicken at Chick-fil-A. Where we shop is dictated by messages that we read. Who has the right stuff at low prices every day? I heard it. I heard it. See, the last service looked at me like a cow looking at Newgate. Like, they're just like, what in, the, what in the world? Yeah, Academy. The right stuff at low price every day. Academy. No. Apparently, some slogans, what I'm learning is some messages are less communicated than others. All right, but where we shop is, is, is something that absolutely we receive messages about. For you older folks in here, the branches of the military, where we can enlist in our service to our country. Where is it in the branch of military where you can be all that you can be? The Army, right? Now, some of you students don't know that because they quit in, in 06. They quit that campaign. But we can be all that we can be in the Army. Insurance. Like a good neighbor. Right, State Farm, right? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'll never forget how, how, when I realized how important messages were. When my son, who we're in our old house, and he's jumping up and down on the couch like he shouldn't do, but, you know, it's one of the lesser sins, so, you know, we let it go for a little bit. Uh, and, and he trips and he falls off the back. And as he is falling, he is not screaming for mama, He's not screaming for daddy, because I ain't going to help him anyway. Like, you did this to yourself, kid. All right? He's not, he's not screaming, crying. He's, he screams, I kid you not, call me Alabama! As he is falling. Why? Because he just heard, when you're in an accident, call me Alabama. He knew that he was headed for disaster. And so he yells for Alexander Shannara, not mama, not daddy, not the Lord, Alexander Shannara in the middle of his distress. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Messages are important and we're exposed to more than we think. There's plenty of messages that are competing for your time and your affection and your energy. But if the message of the gospel is not the thing that rings true in his church, then we will never be all that God has created us to be as an agent for change for the kingdom of God in our Jerusalem, in our immediate context, where we are at. 
And so the church witnessed. Their, the gospel was always on their lips. It was the most important thing. It wasn't just a message they had. It was the message they had. So much so that they were called Christians. Little Christ. Because they couldn't quit talking about Christ. They couldn't quit acting like Christ. Which brings us to our second point. The church didn't just witness. The church worked. The church got busy and did stuff. I'm going to read Acts 2, 45 through 47, so you can turn there. (laughs) But I could have just as easily read Acts 3, 1 through 7, where Peter and John heal a lame man. I could have read Acts 4, 34 through 37, where no one had any need in the entire church because all of the believers, specifically Barnabas in this passage, sold all of their possessions and gave it to the disciples to distribute. I could have read Acts 5, 12 through 16, where signs and wonders and healings were done regularly among the apostles. And I could have read Acts 6, 1 through 6, where deacons were chosen to better meet the needs of people. I could have read all of these passages of Scripture. The people of God in Acts, the mission of God for the church involved work. They were working, and they were working diligently. But we see it summed up in Acts chapter 2, verses 45 through 47. Listen what it says. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, that same rhythm, right? Attending church, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, for growth to be possible, the message must be consistent. But for belief in the message to be possible here, the work must be consistent. There's a lot of people that can talk a real good game. right? You ask any construction guy that you come to quote anything in your house, and they will give you a good talk. They will tell you what they can do. They'll tell you when they can do it. And they'll tell you the budget they can do it in. You know what you find on most occasions? Neither of those things work out. It's over budget and it's over time, right? And and so they talk a good game, but they don't back it up, right? And so we find ourselves today in the place where Christians and the way that we prioritize our life are the greatest detriment to the gospel. It's not the world. It's not the, lib- the liberal people that we, we assign and we like to blame. It's us because we profess to know God and we say he's the most important thing in our life and our life looks completely and totally the opposite of that. And so we do more harm to the gospel. But for belief in the message to be possible, the work must be consistent. Listen, there's plenty of ways you can get invested today. You can invest in your job. You can invest in a career path. You can invest in a sport. You can invest in your community. You can uh, invest in your relationships. And you can invest in money. And the list goes on and on and on of things. So you, in what you put the most value. Invest what is most valuable to you. Most value. What is most valuable to you. And so, 
What do we spend our time doing? If we are investing in things, if we are saying that we are invested in the like in our life, if it looks like two hours on a Sunday morning and that's we are not invested in things or things they are because we invest what is most valuable in what we put the most value in. Generosity is not just giving, but it's giving what is most valuable to you. Given the thing that is most precious. And so the New Testament church was meeting needs. They were meeting needs inside the church. They were meeting needs outside the church. Now, I don't, I'm not advocating for their business model. All right? But in the day that they lived, it was the most effective for the time that they lived in. There was an extremely large, low class of people that really were indentured slaves. They were indentured servants. They had nothing that they actually could call their own. That was a huge chunk of the populace of that day where this was this lower class of people. There was a very small upper class of people that had wealth, that had money, that had possessions. And so what we saw see happening in the church is not a lot of poor folks getting together and giving all they have, but we see even like financiers of the, of the gospel. We see people like Barnabas, right, who was probably immensely wealthy and gave everything he had. Why? Because people had need. They had Need Now, we live in a different day, but y'all, the needs are consistent. There are still needs, and we must be busy meeting those needs, living generously to meet those needs. And so we had, you had the rich that were giving everything. They had a whatever-it-takes attitude. Whatever it takes, I will meet this need. Whatever it takes, I will make sure that you're not... In want. This is the mandate of the church, not the government. We will meet needs. And they gave all that they had out of necessity and distributed it as there was need. And so we have a Jerusalem ministry that I want you to plug into. I want you to hear about it. I want you to plug into it because it's a great way that we can meet tangible needs. It's not the only way. But this is a way that our church is partnering with for you to meet needs in our Jerusalem, in the Elkmont area. And so Lulu Campbell is going to tell us a little bit about that on this video. Y'all check this out. Hello, I'm Lulu Campbell, Area Director of Neighborhood Bridges Elkmont. Our mission is to bridge the gaps between school and community, remove barriers, and seek equity for our students to succeed and engage in school and life. We support Elkmont Elementary, Piney Chapel Elementary, and Elkmont High School. Neighborhood Bridges is all about kindness, opportunity for kindness in our neighborhood. 100% of what is given stays in Elkmont. You can get involved by following our social media pages. We post our needs on our website and then share them on those pages. You can go to neighborhoodbridges.org for more information. So get out your phones. Go ahead. Grab your phones. I want to show you. I want to walk you through something. Grab your phones. Don't worry. I'm not going to commit you anything. I'm going to let you push that button if the Lord leads. I'm just going to get you to the button, all right? Here's what I want you to do. If you've got social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, they have the, the big three. 
Uh, I want you to, if you have Facebook, go to Facebook because it's easier. It's what I do more of, and I can tell you how to get there. I don't know about the rest of them, all right? But uh, on Facebook, if you will type in the search, Neighborhood Bridges, B-R-I-D-G-E-S, plural, Elkmont. Neighborhood Bridges Elkmont. If you will type that into your search, all right, you will, you will bring up the Elkmont uh, Neighborhood Bridges page. Uh, you, if you will like that, you will be connected on social media. Anytime that there is a need, they will post it on that need. There are people that are advocates in the school that, that know the needs of students when they're made available, and so they post them, and, and we get an opportunity to meet those needs through that. Basically, Neighborhood Bridges is an online clothing closet. Uh, I've been asked by multiple people to, to do a clothing closet here in Elkmont. The problem with that is, is, is the space, like how, long, how much space it takes and the overstock and all the stuff that we would need to pull that off. So this way, it streamlines it. And so the needs are posted. If you're a part of those of neighborhood bridges, you see those needs. You can also, a better way for me to see them is if you go to neighborhoodbridges.org, you can scroll down to Elkmont, click on Elkmont, put in your email address, and you will get emails every single week, once a week, you will get an email of needs in your community that you can help meet. And so our church is a drop-off location. We're a financial partner, but we're a drop-off location as well as other places in this community. But this is not the only way to get invested. But this is what the church does. It meets needs. And so this is a very tangible way, an on-ramp through this mission strategy. I don't want to just tell you what we're doing. I want to tell you how you can get involved in it. I want to give you the on-ramp to that ministry into that mission, okay? Number three, so the church witnessed, the church worked, and the church withstood. Acts chapter four is where we're going to be. Now, I could have just as easily preached two different passages in chapter two. I could have preached a passage in chapter four. I could have preached three different passages in Acts chapter five. I could have preached Acts chapter six, Acts chapter seven, and even the first verses of Acts chapter eight to talk about how the church withstood. You get the picture? They went through a lot. They endured a ton But their message was clear, and their work was consistent. And look what it says in Acts 4, 32 through 33. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the great and great grace was upon them all. For the work to be possible here, unity must be consistent. Our message is needed. Work is needed to substantiate the message. But unity is needed to substantiate the work. Listen. You invest here at North, and what you'll find is we are not a perfect church. We're far from it. We don't claim to be. We're not a perfect church. We have flaws. Now, if you just come on a Sunday, sure, you might think we're great. But you really get invested, and you see, peek behind the curtain. We got, some, we got some warts. We got some things that we really need to work on. Do you know why we're not a perfect church? Because I ain't a perfect pastor. 
I'm not a perfect leader. That shocked my wife when I told her that in the first service. She thought I was. Just kidding. But I'm not a perfect leader. I've got faults. I've got flaws. If you want to look for problems in me, ask one of my kids. Seriously, don't. But you can find them. I've got faults. But you know what? You ain't the perfect church member either. Every one of us have faults. There's no such thing as a perfect church. I love what's said in verse 33. And great grace was upon them all. In all of our imperfections, in all of our shortcomings, great grace is a good word. The church wasn't perfect, but they had great grace. And so because of the grace that was given to them, they were gracious to others. And so even though there were disagreements, listen, having everything in common doesn't mean that everybody got along all the time. It doesn't mean that there weren't disagreements and there weren't arguments. In fact, we have evidence of the contrary. Remember Paul and Barnabas? They couldn't even go on a mission trip together because they couldn't agree on John Mark, right? So they went to opposite directions, but both places they went... They preached the gospel and they were consistent. Having everything in common doesn't mean that there was never any disagreement. But it means that those disagreements didn't matter in light of the mission. In light of the gospel, in light of the message, nothing else really mattered. Everything else was secondary. Listen, I want to talk through all of the issues that Lindsay Lane North has. I want you to bring them to me. I want to be able to talk with you, but I'm not going to guarantee that you're going to like how that conversation ends. You might, but you may not. If you're called to Lindsay Lane, I want you to be called to a mission. I want you to, this is just the agency. This is just the building, the hub of operation that God is using for you to be on mission in the church, outside the church. And so not looking for a perfect church but allowing the secondary things to fall by the wayside in light of living on mission in this local community of believers. This is the design that we see in the New Testament, right? And so there were things, plenty of things they had to work out. But the message of the gospel was the most consistent and the most important message. There is no greater detriment to the kingdom of God. I believe this to be true. There is no greater detriment to the kingdom of God than for disunity in his church. For there to be a church that can't unite under a mission and there becomes a wedge-driven and it becomes a shouting match it becomes a presidential debate, right? It becomes, it becomes a spectacle to the community. And all along what the church is communicating is our mission to reach you isn't enough for us to put aside our personal preference. It's not enough. And in so doing, we reveal our idolatry. We want it on our terms, not on yours. 
There is one body. And there is one head. Which is Christ. And for us to portray any picture other than that. Is. Is apostasy. It's leaving the faith. That doesn't mean that we have to worship in the same building together. But my goodness we better be able to put aside our differences to serve on mission together. Because unity is important. And it's important because we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy that knows that he can defame the name of God through his church by creating dissension. And so listen, there may come a time where you can't follow everything that I do as a leader or us as a staff we decide to do as a leader. Praise God that maybe God's calling you somewhere else where you can serve. That's, praise the Lord. Serve there. Let's partner together. Let's continue to reach this community. The mission of God is too big for us to allow secondary things to matter so much. Fourthly, and finally, they, they withstood. Man, they, they withstood some incredible persecution. Incredible persecution. But fourthly and finally, the reason they were able to endure, the reason they were able to withstand, is because the church worshipped. I mean, they worshipped God with everything that they had. Now, we'll read Acts 4. Acts 4, 24 through 31. But I could have just as easily, <laughs> sensing a trend, I could have just as easily read Acts 2, 47, where the believers praised God and they grew. I could have read Acts 3, 8 through 9, where the lame man witnesses and praised God. I could have read Acts 5, 11, where the fear of the Lord falls on the church. I could have read Acts 5, 41, where the apostles rejoice for being counted worthy to suffer for Christ. I could have read Acts 7, 55, who in the face of his own death, Stephen looks up as a deacon of the church, looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. This church worshipped. And so we get an insight. We get to be a fly on the wall in one of the most incredible prayer meetings the New Testament church ever had. Let's read it together. Acts 4, 24 through 31. And when they heard it, meaning the deliver, they had, they had got news that the disciples, the apostles had been delivered, right? They came in and when they had heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they're talking about Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and all the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Don't remove these powers. You have them in place for a reason, but give us 
boldness. Give us strength while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Does that sound familiar? We just read it in Isaiah 6, right? The presence of the Lord showed up. Their house was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They continued in the consistency of their message. They continued in the consistency of their work. They continued in the consistency of their unity, ultimately to find themselves in consistency of focus for unity to be possible. Here, the focus must be consistent. If Lindsay Lane North is to be anything in this community, it is not going to be because of our great worship style. It's not going to be because of our great preaching. It's not going to be because of our great kids or student ministries. Hey, y'all, it's not even going to be because of our great groups. It's going to be because of our great God and our great dependence on Him. That's the only way. And you read Acts 1 through 8, man, this is God turning their town upside down with the gospel. But it happens because there's consistency. And so this is one area for us. This is our Jerusalem ministry. And listen, I know that you've invested. If you've got a blue shirt in here, chances are you either baptized here or you served somewhere in this community, right? You were a part of that missions effort. Continue in that because God has called us to this Jerusalem. He's called us where we're at. Overemphasis on anything other than this is dangerous. It's dangerous. And so our focus must be on him and allowing him to meet all of our needs. If we're dependent on Christ, there is a clear marker in God's word. Clear marker. If you're dependent dependent on Christ, then this I know of you. You are a man You are a woman, you are a teenager, you are a child of prayer. We express our dependence on God through prayer. I pray that God would break my heart and I pray that God would break your heart for lostness where we're at. Here in this Jerusalem, that he would grant unity, that he would grant a unified message And ultimately that he would give us laser, laser pointed focus and vision on what God has called us to do. Because we're going to be busy. We're going to work. And we want you to work right alongside us. We want you to get busy doing what God would have us to do at work in his kingdom. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? As we enter this time of invitation...
the only way that you're sent in anything is if you've received the message. And the message today is that Jesus was sent as the perfect son of God to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin so that we could in turn live for his eternal glory for the rest of our lives. This is the gospel of Christ. And if you're here and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never responded to this message, I want you to know you're the most important person in this room. In just a moment, we're gonna call for a response, a time of invitation as we stand and sing. I want you to find this middle aisle right here. I want you to come find myself. Find me here at the front. I would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. There's counselors that are here that would love to meet with you. Love to pray with you about any decision that you need to make. Maybe you're here and maybe you've lost your dependence on God. Maybe you need to come find a place at this altar where you can surrender whatever it is, whatever mission that you have generated in yourself and maybe you need to surrender to the mission of God in your life. Maybe you need to pray for someone that God desires to use you to reach through mission that needs the gospel of Christ. These are ways that you can respond. Maybe you're here and maybe you want to join what God's doing here at North. We'd love to talk to you about that and have that conversation. The counselors are waiting. We'd love to have these intentional conversations, conversations that matter. Would you respond in this time of invitation? Would you respond to the Holy Spirit's direction in your life? Father, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, it's good stewards of what you're doing. God, good stewards of your great grace that you have lavished on us. God, I pray that we would respond in obedience to you. Whatever that looks like and whatever that means, in this time of invitation and beyond, God, give us the courage, give us boldness, give us dependence on you in every situation. Lord, we pray that you'd be in this time of response. Spirit, we pray that you would have free reign in our hearts and in our lives that we'd respond accordingly to your direction. In Christ's holy name.